Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Tuesday night, and we are uh, online with Blog Talk Radio and The Catch, featuring your host, John Fisher. We come from catchjohnfisher.com and uh, a website that we call The Catch, and we send out The Catch every day. Every morning, I write something fresh for our listeners and readers. I send it out every morning, and uh, and so you can get uh, something new every day for free by signing up. Go to catchjohnfisher.com. Just spell, be sure and spell my name, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. On Tuesday nights, however, we get a special treat, and uh, uh, I do all the talking. Uh, other times, this is the time for us to listen to somebody else. And uh, we've been discussing for some time now uh, the new revolution. Ever since I gave the State of the Catch talk a couple weeks ago, we've been really interested in looking at the new frontier, a new revolution. Is this another, are we getting set for another Jesus movement? Are the millennials possibly open to uh, a new move of the Holy Spirit. Um, these are questions that we've been delving into, and we've been talking a lot about, too, some of the original Jesus music people um, who were around in those days. And uh, so there we figure they're the ones who know. And uh, last week we had a wonderful time with uh, Nancy Honeytree. Prior to that, Barry McGuire uh just uh, amazed us with some of his thoughts and um, a little bit off the wall stuff that uh, I found hit home directly with me. So uh, this is really fun. And uh, to continue in the same topic, we have our privilege today to uh, welcome back uh, a guest we've already had on. His name is Paul Clark. He is uh, from Kansas City, um, and he has uh, one of the original Jesus people in in the Midwest. Um, so uh, here he is driving. <laughs> he is driving across western Nebraska um, and willing to talk to us from his car. We hope we have a kind of good connection. Uh, Paul, welcome back to Blog Talk Radio. Well, John, I can't think of a better segue than to, number one, thank you for letting me come back as a repeat uh, interview and dialogue, chief dialogue artist. But uh, I'm experiencing a day today that would fit perfectly the description you just gave about Pioneer, as I just left a little town called Oxford, Nebraska, 
where my great-grandfather, <laughs> Henry Luking, jumped the ship as a stowaway, a 17-year-old boy, from the, ran away from the German army in 1875, jumped on a boat, and his father gave him uh, enough cash. He said, when you get to America, if you were able to stay, because he was a stowaway, uh, start going west and go as far west as you can until you uh, run out of money, then meet a German immigrant farmer, work for him for one to two years until you can save your money to buy your own parcel, a square, they called it back then, you know, 640 acres of your own land, and start your life over. I just try to imagine when I was 17-year-old Jesus movement pioneer, 18 years old, wow. you know, just starting Songs from the Savior Volume 1, record being formed and fashioned out of my own pioneer experience living up in the log cabin of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, I, but I, today, I have to tell you, I was very moved uh, looking at, at uh, my great-grandfather's grave, born in 1858, came over here to America. I mean, there's not much out here <laughs> in 2016 and in 18 uh, late 1800s there's nothing out here for sure he married my great grandmother Louisa and they had 12 kids in a one bedroom sod house so any complaining by our listeners today will not be for, will be forbidden and not be accepted because anybody knows in 1870 <laughs> if you're living in a one room sod house with 12 kids uh, it was a lot more difficult than, gee, I can't get Wi-Fi right now. I've lost a signal. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to kind of laugh a little bit because as I was taking a picture of this tombstone, I had to get a certain angle because the cell tower across the street from the cemetery in this little teeny podunk town of 836 people, still a small town today. But I had to kind of laugh mm-hmm. thinking, I bet the Henry Lukey in 1870 did not ever think about a cell phone tower being across the street from where he would lay his body down <laughs> wow but all that to say, wow. I like to say um i like to say i'm in a real true spirit of pioneering today thankful for my heritage thankful for my roots the people that came before me and formed and fashioned and dug out literally dug out in a dugout mm-hmm. in christ uh in the 1800s and fast forward to my grandfather and then to my mother meet my dad and, and they got me so pioneering is something that runs deep in our family and uh and I'm thankful to be a part of that. But I tell you, out here in Western Nebraska, it's still a lot of pioneers out here. <laughs> wow! Wow! I'm on my way to how did you, I'm on my way to Colorado. So, how did you find out all that information? Well, well about your about your history and your yeah. family. Very good That's family cool. tree. In fact, actually, right there in, in Redlands, California, my uncle Ted is the keeper of the keys. He has everything. Uh, but our family records are very very well documented, uh, going all the way back to Bremerhaven, Germany, in the 1600s. Both sides of my family. Wow. Uh, I can trace back to the 1600s. My father's side, Scotland, I've been one graveyard from 1610 to 1837. All my relatives are buried there in Tarbolton, Scotland, just south of Glasgow. So I've got, uh, you know, three, three and a half centuries of documented history. So I know where I came from. I know who I am, and I know who I am in Christ, more importantly. And that's... Uh, uh, still, I'm still a pioneer today and still uh, kind of doing what my great-grandfather did. I'm still jumping ship and uh, steering away to the next adventure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about um, the first uh, – I want to go back first and um, talk a little about the, 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 the revolution. We, 
we called it a spiritual revolution. Uh, it was called the Jesus Movement. Um, what do you think, as you think back on those years? And I think, I think, Paul, you did become a Christian during during this at the beginning of this whole thing. Um, yeah. What what was what was rev, what do you think was revolutionary about the Jesus Movement? I think the Jesus Movement. If I look back. And boy, I can still look back and capture it very easily. It's interesting because I'm on the way to Colorado and I'm complaining going to the very log cabin uh, that I was in the front porch that I gave my life to Christ in April of 1970 uh, as a hippie. Wow. But if I look back at that, what was going on, uh, spring of 1970 was a time that uh, I like to say, I hope this won't offend anybody, but the summer of 69 in Woodstock, uh, the, the iconic you know, signature of that generation at that time was a two-finger peace sign. And by spring of 1970, there was a 50% off sales reduced to the middle index finger. And the world had turned, uh, yeah. the summer of love was over, and the middle finger was loud and proud. People were totally ticked off at Vietnam War, totally ticked off at just uh, power uh, people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that makes a revolution. And more than anything, I think for our generation, yours and mine, John, what makes it relevant is that I looked at the whole hippie experience looking back to you know, three-plus years of being a full-on hardcore hippie in my Volkswagen camper traveling around. Uh, I'm really a bunch of people looking for a Heavenly Father. That would be my would be my quick mm. answer, a bunch of people looking for their Heavenly Father. Because when I, when I came to Christ uh, finally through books from my grandmother that were sent to the old post office box 17 miles away from my Log cabin, but uh, the peace that settled into my heart uh, didn't come from joining a church membership or learning a certain hymn or whatever. It was a whole, literally, the wind blew and turned the page. Nothing was was the same. My sister, older sister, is three years older than me. Her generation is more kind of the, still the alcohol generation, where ours was the LSD generation. You know, just a couple years later. So I like to think of. Uh, looking back, I like to see that as pretty much that the wind blew. I think that's the best way to describe it. Jesus spoke a lot about not knowing where the wind blows. And I think there was absolutely mm-hmm. a wind of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, you've met, we've been to South Africa together. <laughs> we, we we met and talked yep. to people in 1985. You and I yep. were in South Africa. I remember down there all over the countryside. We went all over the whole country together. And we met people every day. It said, hey, 1969, 1970, the Holy Spirit. It was like, what? You know, I thought it was close to Mesa, California. Yep. No, it was not. It was around the whole world. Yeah. And that's just so amazing. Yep. I think an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the wind literally blew, I mean, literally northeast, southwest, uh, just around this globe. And people were touched by the Holy Spirit and regenerated. But I think the connection really came. It's not just the, the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that came into me. But I didn't know what happened. I couldn't describe it. I couldn't put a John 3.16 with a gun helmet head for a million dollars. I mean, I didn't know anything, you know. All I know is that I had peace. My, I finally come to rest. The, the, the mm-hmm. uh, you know, looking for, it was like Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> All that anxiety came to a halt, a screeching halt, as a matter of fact. And I knew who my Heavenly Father was. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom. His righteousness, all these things we added unto you. And that, that all these things just brought a, just a, uh, a flood of peace 
the stability, and you know, Sear was gone. You know, Sear was gone. I didn't, yeah. He didn't lay down in paranoia anymore. I laid down in the arms of my Heavenly Father and knew that, wow, I am safe. I'm sheltered. Hmm. My soul is found a harbor. I don't have to run around this country anymore trying to find the best community, the best asset, the best music, or the best of anything. I met the Father and met His Son, Jesus, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So uh, it sounds like what you're saying, Paul, is that Bob Dylan was right. The answer is blowing in the wind. <laughs> the answer is just blowing the wind. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The wind. Yeah, it is. That was a good. That's a great quote and a great, great song, obviously. And, and generational. He was a prophet. A generation of people that were all really roaming this countryside, running to epicenters, uh, you know, looking for truth. You know, one thing that's kind of interesting, just yeah. I don't want to take up much time, I know we're on a short leash here, but I look back at uh, Grant's Village or, you know, Laguna Beach where you were, you know, just all these little pockets that people poured into. They went there looking for something, trying to find something. But the truth is kind of, by the time they got there, it was kind of, it already happened. And it was sort of akin to the old saying of what happened to the second man who invented, invented the hula hoop. He got a big, fat zero. You know, so the people that, you know, ran off to Woodstock, New York, or ran off to Laguna, or ran off to wherever, by the time they got there, you were, it was too late. It was like, it had already been poured out, you know, and I hate to say it, but a lot of times the United States is Christians. I hear people all the time getting their cars and running off to these destinations where, you know, some people would say it's like a Mary sighting and it's Catholics or in the evangelical world, it's, you know, the Holy Spirit support here, it's all around there. I've never been one to really, to really go along that much. Maybe I'm sure it's real, but I've always felt that uh, this is the state, state that's kind of lived by John, is that it's a lot easier to find the wind than try to make wind. And I think uh, so much energy is being put out today in the church world uh, to make wind. And right now, if the listener and you could be looking at the view that I'm seeing of western Nebraska, very Barren. It's, it's sort of green right now because it's some rain, but very, very barren, uh, harsh landscape. This is not a place for the feeble or weaker part of mind. Uh, but when I think of that landscape I'm looking at right now as I'm even driving, I'm thinking of, uh, in a way, the church. I, feel, I pray for the church. Uh, I'm in the church of Jesus Christ. Obviously, I'm a believer. I'm in his body. But a lot of places I go today, the lightning and the thunder are very impressive that the crops are brown. There's no sign of rain. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit's out of the parking lot saying, yeah, sure like they get in there, but they're rude to me. So I don't want to sound such a, you know, interview off a critical or negative or a crotchy old curmudgeon Pharisee statement, but I'm influenced right now by the landscape around me. And in the midst of all this Great. barrenness and brown where I am right now, and it's horizon, horizon, Every now and then I'm passing big patches of green, freshly fertilized fields with rain on it, and it's new growth. And that's what I uh, do think of our interview right now is that uh, there's been a lot of – everything that's brown around me once was green. It died. And the new stuff is green. There's mm-hmm. new stuff coming up, new sprouts. And uh, that's what I believe is, is God's plan right now for the earth. He wants to – it's going to release his wind again to the earth and – create a new revival. Without getting out the uh, 
Last week I had a great guest in my house. Leaky Pratney spent the week in my house last week. Leaky. Yeah, Leaky Pratney. We had a fantastic talk. Obviously, he has a revival Bible. and We talked about first love for hours every day. That was our topic every day. Just first love, first love, first love. Oh, excuse me. Paul, hold it. Um, Yep. You're sounding a little for you're sounding a little muffled, and so I'm okay. missing some of it. Maybe if you could hold, I don't know, hold your phone maybe a little closer or something like that. Okay. Um, uh, it might be reception. Uh, we, that's a little bit clearer though. Now? That's a little better. Yeah, I can. That's a okay. little better. So, uh, Winky Pratney is at your house. Tell me about yep. Winky Pratney at your house. Yeah. You know, Last week we had I had a spontaneous visitor, two visitors, uh, Winky Prattney, longtime friend from way back in the Jesus movement. You know my nickname was Pinky my whole life growing up. So just before I released my first album, I changed my name to my real name, Paul Clark. And so we used to laugh about it. It's a good thing I changed my name because it was Winky and Pinky at the, all the Jesus festivals. But <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like two game show hosts or cartoon guests or something. But, but Winky was at my house last week, and we had a fantastic. Uh, conversation every day for hours about first love, which really describes the Jesus movement is that first love. And that's really my prayer for believers today is to walk in that first love, return to that first love if necessary, if they have, if they've left it, but to, to walk in the power of that first love is nothing like the first love for Jesus Christ. Nothing like it. Mm. Wow. Do you think, uh, okay, Paul, um, Let's 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 jump to the present now. Um, do you think that? Do you sense, and maybe maybe you and Winky talk about this, whether whether there is any kind of a, a groundswell or a movement uh, to return to the things of Jesus and the things that were important to us? Um, I, I'm saying this because. It's it's been there have been studies that have shown, even in secular culture, that there is a strange connection between the millennials and the boomers, and of course mm-hmm. we would be the boomers, but the millennials right. seem to be uh, uh, wanting some of the same things, and they seem to be gravitating. They they like the same movies, they like the same music, you know, they want something real. I mean, for heaven's sakes, we're going back to vinyl now. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's almost like you know people are finding something of of what we did or were like 45 years ago. Some people are finding that more real than than their digital world around them. And uh, uh, I don't know. Do you do you see some of this happening? And do you think maybe? Uh, we might be on the edge of, a, of another uh, another revolution. Well, certainly you or I are not in control of that, but we certainly pray for that. And I do see a groundswell happening. Uh, oddly enough, a week from today, I will be out there in your lovely state of California and the iconic Capitol Records building with Ron McMaster, and I will be watching him carve a vinyl lathe acetate that will be Stamping out vinyl records of a new record branch of roots. I'm going back to vinyl, John. <laughs> so, and that's for reason. I'm going back to for reason. This new record I made. I'm not, this is not a, a plug for a new record, but 
It's uh, kind of an Americana record. I played all my yeah. old Martins. I made it with, I had the privilege, I mean, I say privilege, I mean, it's seriously, I had the privilege of recording this album with uh, a fiddle player named Stuart Duncan, who's played with everybody in the world the last 30 years, and he's Grammy Award winning 10 times over. Uh, Byron House on upright bass, uh, Matt Pearson also on upright bass, and Phil Cake in a couple of songs. But just back to stripped down story, seven of 11 songs are Bible stories, and it's just raw. But this has all been inspired mm-hmm. uh, really the last several years by more and more, uh, I guess, mentoring uh, these guys that I'm meeting all the time, their early 20s, that are sick of loops, they're sick of uh, samples. They wanted, they call me up and say, How'd you get that sound? How'd you, uh, you know, what microphone did you use? What drum kit is that? What kind of amp is that? Wow. What kind of guitar? What kind of strings, you know? And I give them all these crazy answers. They, they, they go, How'd you get that piano sound? Well, okay, I was in the studio. And I took a bunch of drill bits out of the technician's room, repair room. I put drill bits all over the strings and held them down while Bill Spur played, played the piano. It gave it like a tax sound. I was like, what are you kidding me? How'd you get that vocal sound? Well, I went down to the local harvester and about 16 feet of six-inch PVC pipe. And I kept cutting it off a foot at a time until I got the right millisecond delay to the vocal sound I wanted. I had a Telefunken EM251 microphone one end, and I sang into it, and that's how I got that delay. There were no... There were no effects, no pedals, no stomp boxes, nothing. You made these things up, you know. And people, these young kids today are starving for that authenticity. I always say that authenticity mm-hmm. will always trump talent. You go into a guitar center and hear a kid, he'll, he's got chops to burn. Ask him to play a song in time or write a song, forget it. He doesn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And, there's no, and you go into the church today, you know, I've kind of become the bane of a lot of people's existence because the very churches I used to consult with, and in the mid-'80s, encouraged them to do this or do that. Now, I've torn it down. I've gone there, like, torn down the temple, like, or turned tables over, because I don't believe you should have a sign-out friend that says, you know, XYZ Community Church, and you walk in, and on stage, everybody has their own in-ears in, have their own mix, that they, what they want to hear. Just, I just want to hear this mm-hmm. guy or that guy. I don't want to hear the whole band. They're standing 30 feet apart. The drummer's in a plastic box. Can you imagine the Beatles in Hamburg in 1960? on a stage with Ringo in a plastic box and John, George, and, and Paul with in-ears in with a little Avion mixer. Can you imagine that? Never. It happened. They became, they became, four became one because they literally slept in the same bed. They played eight shows a day. They were busy at B&B community. And I know I'm kind of getting off track mm-hmm. a little bit and getting ramped up, but I believe yeah. that's what the heartbeat and the thirst and the hunger for these kids today. They're starting for community. They're starting for community. And um, so that's that's my take on it, is that these kids are returning back to things that they know had community in it, and so they're trying to find community uh-huh. so bad. They're digging back into the archives to find out how do those people have that community, how do they have that real stuff happening, that real institution that had a fabric to it, and they're 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 really desirous of that fabric. They're tired of all the fake stuff. What other things uh, are there? Any other things that that uh, stick out to you that are um, were characteristics um, of the seventies that that uh, young twenty thirty somethings today are 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 seeking and wanting and you know we've got authenticity we've got community are there any other things that you can point out? Yes, this will be a little bit repetitive. A little bit repetitive in a way, but restlessness. And unfortunately, ah. 
we had, uh, I hate this sounds like I'm saying we had better, but we were restless, but we had a huge frontier, like the Vista I'm looking at right in front of me. We had a huge frontier yeah. in front of us. It was not uh, coagulated. It was not a crowded uh, you know, scene. Or today, especially like I think of musicians, all these young musicians, I mean, all the time, there's a big bowl of food, but there's only a couple of dogs around to get all the attention. The rest of it, you've got to go out and, you know, and try to figure out your place in the world. Well, I try to tell these young musicians, hey, when I started, there wasn't any venues. There were no Christian venues. You didn't, you didn't compete for a gig at a church with another Christian artist. There was no Christian. <laughs> there wasn't anything going on. So that restlessness back in the we that you and I experienced, that Jesus and I experienced, that restlessness is what drove the movement forward. It, it, it was actually out of that agitation of the 60s, like just like a washing machine, you know, the dirt was, was sanctified out of it, and that agitation led to a brighter, brighter, yeah. brighter white. <laughs> and I think today, yeah. so this is what I feel is what's happening. This is why I think God loves people, but today people are discouraged. They're hopeless. There's so much hopelessness in around us today because people feel hemmed in. They don't see a horizon. They don't see a frontier. They see the same old thing over and over, and they become hopeless. And because of that, they're restless in a different way. They're looking to break out mm. and find a new land, a, a, a new frontier, a new land. They don't want to just plow up the same crop field. You know, they, they want to the restless because they need more octane. We live in a time, John, you and I drove cars with 100% octane in them. <laughs> We had premium gas. It was premium gas, you know. And uh, today we're down to you know, 85 octane, you know. And uh, it's being, you know, cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and more refined. And I think these young kids today, especially, they want the real octane, you know. They they want to they want the real octane. They don't want to they don't want they don't want this stuff anymore. You know, they want the real octane. And we know that comes to the the Holy Spirit. We I know that wow. growing up Lutheran, this not a knock on the Lutheran Church at all. I was. A sinner, and my heart was far from God. But I know that when the Holy Spirit came into my life, it was truly like high octane fuel. My engine went, "Woo! What is that?" You know, this is powerful. And you know that word dynamis. It's there for a reason in our English language. Dynamite. That Greek word dynamis. You know, you receive dynamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's what I think is really you know uh, a a sign that um, we need that fresh wind today. We need that dunamis power. Well, we don't need a bunch of people flapping their wings just trying to emulate it or copy it or hope it will be or think it will be or hold your left ear and say in Jesus' name seven times and you'll have it. It's not that. It's not that at all. We, we need we need God. We need God. We need him, the real deal. We don't need the, the, you know, doing our own strength. Okay, okay, Paul. Uh, you know, uh, our time is almost up here. I, I have one more question for you, and 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 it'll it'll fit right into the landscape you're looking at right now. Um, Great. It, uh, we had we had Nancy Honeytree um, on last week, and we had a really good talk with her, and and I went over the lyrics of her pioneer song, which I know that's, you that's know that's really done. well. Yeah, and um, the last verse of that song, she talks about uh, the fact that you know, uh, well, she's sure connected to all of us because you know we 
we had been pioneers, but now, now, you know, there's this huge flood of people that came, came through the gates that we opened, and and they can run faster and do farther and all yep. this stuff better than than we yep. can. Um, but so what are we going to do? Well, what she says is we're out looking for our next frontier, and and her her lyric is there's a wilderness pathway and it's calling you. Um, huh. What what is your wilderness pathway that's calling you, Paul, right now? Right now, my wilderness pathway is calling me is my hunger for what I just described earlier. My hunger for a deeper level level of community, my deeper uh, level uh, deeper connection uh, to what God is doing. Because I, like you, have seen so much, and just like having drunk the wine. Water gets really boring, and uh, we, wow. we want we want the wine. So the path I'm looking for is not <laughs> wine is in vino. You know, the path I'm looking for is that new wine, the Holy Spirit. Where is that? You know, being poured out. Where yeah. is the where is where is the vine? And Jesus said, "I'm the vine, you're the branches." You know, I have a song called "Abide." You can play it to your viewers if you want to. But I wrote a song back in '74. It was on "Good to Be Home with So Kagan." Those guys it's called "Abide." an iconic song in my discography. And uh, you know, it's I'm looking for I want to I want I want I want the vine in my life so bad I just want the vine. I love being connected to the vine. Wow. And I don't want I don't want to be plucked off, you know, cut off of that the sap of the Holy Spirit, that that life, that Zoe. You know, that's what I'm looking for. That's the path that I'm on. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you what you're really saying and this is what I, I, I was hoping we get to. This is amazing. Um, you're saying that, that you want the same thing that the young people want. Absolutely. And, we're, and, and, Absolutely. and, and we can partner, and we can partner this, with them. And exactly. uh, we're all looking for the same thing. And here's Fantastic. one reason why. I'll tie this together with it. I talked about the hippie generation is looking for a Heavenly Father, right? Well, in many ways... Yeah. This generation is looking for a heavenly father, and I am still, even though I've been following Christ for you know, 46, almost 47 years or whatever, uh, yeah. I'm still his child. I'm his child. You're his child, John. Our listeners today, yep. we are his children. And what greater privilege can we have than to be his children, the children of the Father God? You know, wow, what a, what a luxury that we could be, still be children. I'm still learning. I, I, sometimes I think I know less mm-hmm. than I did 47 years ago. You know, I think I know less. I used to, and I thought I knew more back then. It's, some ways I know less because all you know is Jesus. If I know Jesus, I got all I need. You know, so that's that's what I'm looking for is just just be connected to that Father, be connected to the Vine, to Jesus, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just a simple, that's wow. simple truth. Paul, thank you so much. This is this is great, and and thank the Lord that we stayed connected all the way through Western Nebraska. And yeah, uh, <laughs> I pray I pray for a safe trip and a, and a wonderful wonderful few days there in Colorado. Um, tell us tell us what you're going to be doing um, when you get there, and uh, we'll, well say goodnight to the folks. Part of my uh, part of my quest right now is. I mentioned this once again, please don't take us an ad, but I mentioned my new record that I've done. It's called Branching Roots. And I'm really, I've returned to my roots not to try to recreate that, 
but to take it higher and farther than I once did 40-some-odd years ago. So one of the joys mm-hmm. of being in Colorado is to go up there in the mountains and uh, really just draft off of a thankful heart, gratitude. Those two words come to my mind right now, thankfulness and gratitude. Out of thankfulness and gratitude mm. comes humility, and out of humility comes the presence of God. And I know that if I can be in that posture, I'm going to hear from the Lord and receive fresh wind and fresh oil. And that's just going there to get regenerated. Wow. Wow. Well, we will be praying. Lord, Lord, grant Paul what he's looking for on this trip. And uh, keep him safe, and uh, may he come home filled, filled up with you. Amen. And uh, thank you, Paul. This has been wonderful. God bless you, John. I appreciate Martin, you. Uh, all the listeners of the catch. I love the catch. I read it every day. Love it. Love it. And uh, pray that your ministry tends to be expanded as well, just like the horizon looking at. It will be horizon, horizon with the catch. Beautiful. God bless you guys. Beautiful. Okay. You too, Paul. Thanks again. God bless, John. Love you, bro. Yeah. Love Bye-bye. you too. Well, there you have it, folks. Talking to Paul Clark in his car, driving across Nebraska, getting some really wonderful insights. That's worth listening to again. you guys we'll see you soon